0: in worship, let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Uh, our prayer this morning is that our hearts would be ready for, for to meet with the Lord, uh, that our ears would be ready to hear from him, and that Lord, yeah, we would just be able to enter into worship together as a church. Uh, thank you so much for joining us for our online service this morning. It's a very special Sunday. Uh, we are candidating someone for the associate pastor position, uh, so we're excited about that. Uh, and as you may have heard, we may be online for a little bit longer. Uh, AHS has not lifted any of the restrictions, uh, so as you know, uh, we will be lifting. We'll we'll be going back to in-person service uh, when we are allowed to return to thirty percent capacity. Uh, until then, we will be doing our online services um, because of again because of COVID and not being together. Uh, The charitable donation receipts for last year, uh, usually we hand them out here. Uh, Those are all going to be mailed out this year. Uh, And so just please make sure that the the church has your correct contact information. Uh, But we will be mailing out donation receipts as much as we can this year. Um, Also, just a reminder, Family Matters meeting. Uh, We are hoping that restrictions will be lifted for that, that we can have at least some in person. Uh, But we are looking to do that still on February 3rd. Uh, It's going to be at 7 p.m. There is a link in the bulletin and you probably find it online as well for registering for that. It's the same link for both the in-person and the online. If you register for the in-person, we can't do it. We'll contact you and we'll just adjust things. But uh, at that meeting, uh, we're going to look at the reports for 2020. Uh, We have to vote on the budget for 2021. And uh, we'll be voting on uh, for Sarah uh, to enter onto the deacon committee. And also we'll be voting for our associate pastor, uh, who you'll be meeting a little bit later. Um, and when it comes to the associate pastor, uh, he will be speaking today, which we're very excited about. I'm going to introduce him in just a moment. Uh, but the plan is that tomorrow morning on Monday, we're going to send out an email uh, it'll have more information there. There'll be a short video where he's introducing himself, telling you a little bit about himself, his passion for ministry. Uh, there'll also be instructions there on, we're planning to do a couple of uh, Zoom online meetings for people to sort of interact and get to know him a little better. If you're interested in that, uh, we, we will, there will be a link where you can register to attend one. We're for sure doing it Thursday night. If there's more people than we, than we can handle, we'll do a couple different nights as well. Also, if you're part of a small group and your small group would like to meet uh, with Pastor Mike as well, uh, you can contact the church. And maybe that's the best way to say it: is it's If you're interested in joining one of these meetings, contact the church. Uh, let Benita know and we will sign you up and we'll figure out ways to do it. So tomorrow morning there's an email. There'll be a video you can watch. And then there'll be some opportunities just to meet him online uh, throughout this week as well. Um, and I believe that those are... Most of the announcements that we have to look at this morning, I'm just going to pray and then we're going to go to our kids' time and then I will introduce Pastor Mike and his wife Vanessa to you after the break. Let's pray. Father God, uh, you are good, you are great, you are a wonderful, amazing, gracious, merciful God Um, and Lord, we are so thankful for all that you have done for us as a church, as your people, Uh, Lord, even as we consider our salvation uh, Lord, you have been so truly, truly good to us. Lord, as we gather here this morning, we pray that your Holy Spirit would be with us, even though we're in different locations, that, Lord, your Spirit would unite us as a congregation. And, Lord, I pray that you would give us discernment, give us mindfulness, that, Lord, uh, that Lord again, as I said, ears to hear, eyes to see the truth uh, that Pastor Mike is going to bring to us in just a few moments, that our hearts would be ready, our hearts would be prepared, uh, just to hear from him. And that, Lord, um, in every aspect of the service this morning, that, Lord, you would be present. Uh, we welcome you here uh, through the presence of your Holy Spirit to be with us, to, to fellowship us, to dwell among us uh, in spirit and in power and in truth. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, at this time, we will go to the kids' time. Well, it's, uh, it is quite a joy, actually, at this time to be able to introduce you uh, to Michael Tatchuk. Uh, he is, uh, as you know, the candidate, our church, our committee has selected to be the associate pastor. Uh, that position really is focusing on pastoral care and community life, uh, those kind of things, which is very much, I think, uh, where Mike's heart is at uh, for ministry. He just has a real love for people that... that Is really shines through, which you'll see in just a few moments. Uh, Me and Michael actually go back years. I don't know how many decades actually it probably is now. Uh, We actually graduated from Edmonton Baptist Seminary together, uh, and Michael's also worked with um, other familiar faces around here. I believe you're youth pastor under Bob Carroll uh, for for time. Um, I think that was in Winnipeg. So I don't know if this is an upgrade or if if, yeah. We'll we'll just assume that Um, he's currently. Uh, working for Service Canada. He's also a volunteer chaplain. He's been doing pulpit supply as well. Uh, Mike is joined this morning by his wife, Vanessa. Uh, So warm welcome to you as well, Vanessa. Um, We just want to give them a very warm welcome. And at this time, I'll just invite you up uh, to speak as we as a church will be in prayer this week as we consider uh, the Lord's plans for us in, in all of these things. All right. Welcome, you guys.
1: Good morning. I will be reading from Acts chapter 9 this morning. If you want to uh, open your Bibles or open your apps, whatever you're using this morning, and from the New International Version. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he had found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing, so they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind. He did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem, and he has come here with my authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord, Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, Isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on this name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. After days had gone by, there was a conspiracy among the Jews to kill him. But Saul learned of their plan. Day and night, they kept close watch on the city gates in order to kill him. But his followers took him by night and lowered him into a basket through an opening in the wall. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles, He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He talked and debated with the Hellenistic Jews, but he tried to kill him. When the believers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. Then the church throughout Judea... Galilee and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit it increased in numbers
2: well good morning I'm excited to be here Uh, this is something new for me I've never preached to nobody sitting in the audience Preaching online is something new for me. I'm, I have to admit, I'm a little bit nervous right now. Uh, maybe that's a good thing. But it, it does cross something off on my bucket list. I finally get to be a televangelist. So there we go. <laughs> well, that one, I'm glad, you, I'm glad you laughed, because that's one of the things that Pastor Mark and I talked about earlier, was that uh, when you tell a joke, you just don't know whether it, it lands or not. Uh, the good thing is, is I have my wife here, and uh, I can see the eye rolls, honey. Yes, I, I see the eye rolls. So, I'm excited to talk to you today about transformation, and looking at the life of Saul the persecutor, who then became Paul the Apostle. Uh, transformation is something that we, we, we all think about, especially at this time of year, You know, when we look at Happy New Year, January 1st, turning the page over to the new year, we think about our New Year's resolutions and what those resolutions will be, because we want to change. We want something to be better. And, you know, I think as this last year, we all can admit that this last year has been a year that we really want to see changed. We want to see something new happen. We want to be a part of something new. Uh, it's been a tough year. It's been a tough year emotionally. It's been a tough year relationally. For many people, it's been a tough year financially. And we just want to see things change. And so I looked this week uh, or last week about uh, some of the 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 New Year's resolutions that people uh, have decided to have for 2020 to 2021. So I just want to share some of those with you as we get started. I'm going to sign up for a marathon that I bravely will not actually run. Secondly, I'm going to buy all the leftover 2020 calendars and I'm going to burn them. Third, I'm going to do so much yoga, that it actually justifies wearing yoga pants 24-7. Oh, there we go. Fourth, I'm going to actually put on a full outfit for Zoom meetings. And don't worry, this week if you Zoom with me, I will be wearing pants. Five, buy new clothes big enough to account for next year's holidays. Six, most common New Year's resolution of all, get in shape. I choose round. Round is a shape. Seven, I was going to quit all my bad habits for the New Year, but then I remembered nobody likes a quitter. We all want to be transformed. We all want to get better. We all want to become new. We all want to become healthier, more, maybe even wealthier. We all want to live more meaningful lives. You know, when I look at this last year, I, I, I think of my wife, Vanessa, and she works at the ARC. She, the ARC is the Addictions Recovery Center in, <clears throat> at the Salvation Army, sorry, at the Salvation Army uh, here in Edmonton, Vanessa is the uh, assistant executive director. And she's had the privilege of walking along people that really have experienced transformation in their lives, Um, mainly through 12 step programs and and things like that, dealing with addictions and recovery and, and things like that. And she's had the opportunity, and I've had the opportunity because of her, to just be able to see people experience real transformation in their lives and great things happen today i want us and i want to tra- i want to challenge us to transform spiritually because that's what's going to affect us emotionally physically mentally and relationally and i want us to look through the lens Of the conversion of Saul, the persecutor, to becoming Paul, the apostle. Saul, the persecutor. To say that Saul was antagonistic towards the church is an understatement. He was antagonistic towards the way, towards Jesus Christ. And he was at the stoning of Stephen and he gave his approval to that. He was rabid about destroying the church and persecuting the church. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. And he would protect that code against the lawbreakers of the way. He was zealous for the law of God. He was judgmental. He would jail the the believers. He would persecute them. He would vote for their execution. You know, Pharisee, the name comes from the Hebrew and Aramaic, Perush or Perushai, which means one who is separated. And Paul really took that seriously, or Saul really took that seriously. It may refer to their separation from the Gentiles, sources of ritual impurity, or from irreligious Jews. As Josephus noted, the Pharisees were considered the most Expert and accurate expositors of Jewish law. They knew their stuff. Saul knew his stuff. But it didn't make him a nice guy. He was a judgmental person. And then he was transformed into Paul the Apostle. And that's what makes this transformation All that much more dramatic. When we look at where Paul came from. Saul. This is the massive transformation that takes place. And what can we learn about being transformed from this little story? Well this little story tells us a number of things. The first thing I think it tells us is this. Is that transformation starts with an encounter with Jesus. He fell to the ground. He heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? He asked. Saul had a personal encounter with Jesus. He heard Jesus' voice speak to him. And God became real to him. At that moment, as he spoke to him, Paul was walking his own way. He was doing his own thing. He thought he was being religious and that he was doing the right things. But he was still walking his own way. He wasn't walking in tune with God. He was doing his own thing. And God, in his mercy, stopped him and spoke to him. It starts with an encounter with Jesus. I wonder today, have you had an encounter with Jesus where God has stopped you in your tracks, right where you are? Has he spoken to you? You know, for me, that's happened a few times throughout my life. And the first time that it happened in my life, and I share this in my story that you'll hear later, I was walking my own way. I was doing my own things when I was in university. And God allowed my life to just go into a complete mess. And I found myself on the edge of a river, not knowing if God was even really there. And I cried out to him. And I was angry with him because of where my life had taken me. And it was at that moment that God spoke to me. And he said, Mike, I didn't do this to you. You did this to you. And it was at that moment that I knew that there was a God who loved me. And I knew that all the things that I'd learned throughout all those years of going to church, that it was real. God became personal. And that changed the trajectory of my life. It set me on a path towards transformation. And so that's what I want to share with you today. Is that transformation starts with an encounter with Jesus. The second thing is, is this. Is that transformation often involves our humbling. He fell to the ground. He heard a voice. He fell to the ground. You know, Paul felt pretty good about himself. He was proud. He felt pretty good about who he was as a person. He was righteous. He was a good person. He was doing the things that he felt would gain him entry into the kingdom of God. But it was all for naught. And then that whole idea of him falling to the ground conveys a humbling God humbled him at that moment. And he was humbled in a real and physical way. He fell to the ground. He heard God's voice. He realized, oh, man, I've been walking the wrong way. I've been doing the wrong things. And God took his sight away. And that further humbled him. And he had to be led by the hand. And that further humbled him. Three days he did not eat or drink. And what this tells us is this. Is that it doesn't matter how good or how bad you are. God will accept you. And he can use you. And he wants to use you. And he will save whomever he chooses to save. Doesn't matter how bad or good you are. Now, I remember a girl from our youth group many, many years ago. And she had been coming to youth week in and week out. And I'm just going to call her Melissa. And, you know, she had this period of time in her life where things were going really, really well. And then she had this period in of time in her life where things started to fall apart. And bad things started to happen. And all the things that were supporting her started getting stripped away one by one by one. And we had this conversation and she looked at me and she said, you know, Mike, I want to become a Christian. But I want to become a Christian because I love Jesus. And I want to say yes to Jesus because I love Jesus not because bad things are happening and I need him in my life right now. And I looked at her and I said, Melissa, that's why you need Jesus right now. And don't you think that God is in that right now? He knows what's going on right now. He wants you to call out to him. So as the bad things are coming around in your life, you can call out to him and you can find him and know him. I've been humbled many times in my life. A number of years ago when I was a young pastor, I had some bad things happen to me with my family and uh, with my wife and with my, my child and I gotta tell you, I would sit in church on Sunday mornings and we'd sing songs of praise, and I felt empty, and I felt hurt, and I felt angry at times, and and I I, I didn't understand what God was doing. You know? And here I was, a, a pastor in the church, and this is what I was experiencing. And I found myself. Really questioning my faith. I want to switch gears. In this last year, I was I was diagnosed with cancer. And God was there. And he was good to me. In so many ways, he was there. But I felt like there was a real possibility that my life could end this year. This last year. I was in the hospital at the height of COVID. And I had absolutely no uh, immune system whatsoever. And I thought, this could be it. My time could be up. But during that period of time, I found myself not questioning why me, God. I found myself saying, God, you are good. You are good all the time. No matter what we go through, you are good. And it reminded me that I've transformed even from being a young pastor into becoming more mature in my faith. the next thing I'd like to share is this is that transformation involves community when he came to Jerusalem he tried to join the disciples but they were all afraid of him not believing that he really was a disciple but Barnabas took him by the hand and brought him to the Apostles you know it's interesting the people in the church, the leaders in the church, they themselves didn't believe that it was possible that Paul could be transformed. They had heard all about this guy. They saw what he was doing to the church, and they thought, no way. But our God is bigger than that. Our God is bigger than that. They didn't believe the transformation. And Paul needed a Barnabas. He needed someone that had some authority. That was respected within the community. To see past all of that. And to bring him along. And bring him some kind of. Being genuine, Paul or Barnabas saw something in Paul. He saw the work of Christ in Paul. A few weeks ago, Pastor Willie Muller died, <clears throat> and that funeral was on on Greenfield's website, and Dr. Ralph Corner. Uh, shared at the the funeral for Willie Muller. And he talked about how Willie was somebody that really affected him and really was Jesus to him in his relationship and in his development as a minister in life and ministry. And he talked about how Willie was, one of the words that he used was incarnation. That when Ralph saw Willie and Ralph's relationship with Willie was not just a relationship with Willie, but it was a relationship with Jesus. That Jesus was incarnated through Willie's life to him. And that's what Willie was to many of us. And over the last number of years for myself, I've had Herman Effa become that incarnation in my life. Um, I feel like every time I sit and talk with him, I'm I'm talking with Jesus. And uh, I hope I don't embarrass him if he's watching today, but I love that guy. I love him. He has taught me more in the last three or five years and he's done more for me uh, as a as a believer and we need those kind of people within our churches those willies those Hermans those those people of the faith that that love Jesus and just want to love on you we need that so I highly encourage that if that's where you're at Recognize that you have a duty to perform. And it's just being the hands and feet of Jesus to somebody else within the church. And outside the church. Transformation culminates in a meaningful mission. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus at once he began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. What a dramatic transformation. Saul goes from persecuting churches, persecuting Christians, wanting to kill them, to being Paul the Apostle, changing his name, changing his whole identity, to Recognizing that Jesus is the Christ, he is the Messiah, he's the one that we've been waiting for. He goes from being this judgmental individual to being this person of accepting people outside his community. Pharisees would not touch Gentiles at all. It was a dramatic transformation. And not only that, but it was powerful, effective ministry. Saul was sent to the Gentiles. He's wrote most of the New Testament. The Pharisees would have nothing to do with them. So I want to share with you today, what's our application through all of this? Well, there's just really one question, and that's this. Are you demonstrating a transformed life? Does your life demonstrate that? Do you look more like Jesus? Are you more passionate about God? Are you like More judgmental or more merciful? Perhaps you're like Paul who was on his own Damascus road. Maybe you're like him. Maybe you're on your own Damascus road. And you've never had a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. The Bible says this, that for God so loved the world, that he gave his one and only son, Jesus, that whosoever should believeth in him should not perish, but should have eternal life. You have a choice today. Maybe you're sitting at home and you've been listening to this message over and over and over again for a number of years and you've never made a personal decision for Christ. Today's the day I encourage you, say yes to God. Wherever you're at, whatever road that you've been on, just say, Lord, I need you today. And I don't want to walk my own road anymore. I don't want to do my own thing anymore. I want to know you. And I want to walk your way. All you got to do today, if you want to know Jesus, is this. you got to admit your need of him. Admit that you're a sinner. That you don't have it all together. That your way doesn't work. That there is a higher power that is greater than you. You need to believe that Jesus is the Messiah. That he is God's son. That he is God. And then thirdly, you need to commit your life to him. You need to confess him to the world. Perhaps you're like Paul. In the sense of being a, having a pharisaical heart that's full of judgment. You know, nothing hurts the church more Nothing hurts the mission of God more than when the people of God don't act like the people of God. When we act with judgment on other people and we don't live out our faith. Perhaps God is calling some of us to change that, to confess that. And to move past that. To transform from that. To be more like Jesus today. Perhaps God is calling you to be a Barnabas. To see that person along the road. And to encourage them in their faith. To vouch for them. To bring them into community. To encourage them in their walk with Christ to invite them into a walk with Christ perhaps he's calling each one of us or he's calling you into a deeper relationship with himself I like to have practical things for you to do one of the things oh I don't even have it on me my phone It's usually at my hip all the time, to my wife's consternation. But one of the apps that uh, my wife turned me on to this last year is called Lectio 365. L-E-C-T-I-O 365. And really what it is, is it's an opportunity every morning to start your day in prayer and reflection to come to the Lord first thing and say, okay, God, I'm going to be quiet. I'm going to open my ears to what your spirit is saying. Speak to me, God. I want to know you. I want to be more like you. I want to be effective in ministry, in my relationships, God help me today. So, whatever you need to do to deepen that relationship with Jesus, I encourage you practically take it up, do it. Or perhaps today you're in need of the transformation that comes as you serve in meaningful mission. He wants all of us to serve. Jesus says, I came to serve, not to be served, and to give my life as a ransom for many. How are you giving your life? Perhaps God wants you to give your life today. You know, when I was a young man, I experienced a lot of doubts about who God was And about his faithfulness, his goodness, about even if he was really there. Like, doubting Thomas was probably, you know, my twin or something. That's what I experienced a lot growing up. But I found that when I began to serve, when I began to give my life away and serve Christ, it made sense. God made sense to me. He became real to me when I served. Faith isn't in a vacuum. It's not in an easy chair. We don't just sit back and wait. We've got to get out there and serve and give of our lives and pour our lives out like a drink offering. Like Jesus would. I think about this. That God wants to do something amazing in us and through us as a community. And perhaps you know the story of Celebrate Recovery. But Celebrate Recovery is one of the, the programs of the church or that has been in the church. And it has made... An incredible difference in many people's lives of, for transformation. Transforming people from their addictions into becoming people of, of health and, uh, and and getting their relationships back, back on track. Celebrate Recovery began with John Baker's story. More than 25 years ago, this is what um, Rick Warren writes. He wrote me a letter. Honestly, I could have easily missed it. I didn't get all the letters that were sent to me, but two of my associate pastors, Glenn and Tom, told me I needed to read it. It was 13
0: pages.
2: (sighs) John suggested a new ministry at Saddleback to help people like him who needed recovery. John had become addicted to alcohol as a way to overcome his nagging sense of emptiness. He was in recovery, but he was struggling with the vague manner that Alcoholics Anonymous deals with God, the Bible, and salvation through Jesus. Since those issues were also important to me, I did a six-month intensive study on both the Old and New Testaments around the concepts of recovery. John and I launched Celebrate Recovery at Saddleback in 1991 with a 10-week series called The Road to Recovery. Since then, I've taught that series multiple times under different names. We've never looked back. Today, 27,000 people have been through the program at our church. 70% of them came from outside the church. It's by far the greatest outreach our church has ever seen. More than 35,000 churches now have Celebrate Recovery Ministries. And over 5 million people have completed a step study towards transformation. God took, and this is what got me, God took an ordinary person, not a pastor, not a great leader. He took an ordinary person In our church. And he started a movement. God. Can start. A similar movement. In you. It's time for our churches. To work together. To help people heal. And become whole. So that they can live out. God's purposes. For their lives. A recovery ministry. Is messy at times. Ministry. Real ministry always is. It often is. But it's what the church is all about. Let's pray. God, you know us. And today, if you want to accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, then just pray this prayer with me. God, I need you. I need you in my life. I'm sorry that I have walked my own way. I say today, Lord, that I want to walk your way. I'm sorry for walking my own. I recognize you, Jesus. Forgive me for my sins. I believe what your word says. I want to follow you. Help me, Lord, to stand up for you today and to live my life for you. And Father, you know all of us today, where we're at, whether our hearts are warm towards you or cold, whether we're going through good times or through bad. And we just say, Lord, that you are good all the time. We confess that with our mouths. We may not always feel that, but we confess that with our mouths. Help us to say yes to you and for you to transform us to become more like you each and every day. Help us to hear your voice and to find our place in meaningful ministry. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.